Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Michael David Clay. Before we begin today's podcast, I'd like to ask you a few questions, and if you'd be so kind as to answer them and uh, would be able to email them to my email address. It's all part of an important research study we're conducting on social relationships and the ability to persuade others. In the meantime, though, between now and when you get a chance to email your answers, I'd also like to tell you about a new book that I've written on the power of persuasion. And I also will give you the uh, email address where you can order that book, etc., etc., etc. Before we go any further, though, (laughs) legitimately, all that was a farce. Uh, I don't want anybody to think I've sold a book, and I'm certainly not suggesting anyone send me answers to questions within the context of email, at least not on today's podcast. But I am attempting to sort of lead you in a direction uh, toward this idea of persuasion, Uh, the notion that somehow we think we can persuade people, particularly to a certain end in mind, and maybe how easy or difficult that might be. And certainly how you package it, how it's all set up, what credibility you may hold or possess, uh, are factors that play into it, social factors even. But most of us whether through direct encounter or just through hearing stories from others. Probably all of us have had this experience. We've come to realize some people are only interested in our opinion simply because they want us at some point to hear what they have to say. And with that, they want to sell us on something. Maybe just their opinion, maybe something else. And with that, we don't like to be tricked or fooled. But even with friends, even with those individuals we may not know that otherwise we have a chance to kind of share our ideas with or that may ask us a question, I think for the most part we're open but we're also a bit suspicious, maybe just simply because everybody has kind of been exposed to that. There's a bit of a bias. I'm going to read from an article in Psychology Today April 2022, entitled Persuasion, written by Vanessa Bonds, Ph.D. Persuasion. We assume we don't have much influence over others, even those closest to us, but studies show we're more powerful than we think. When you want to convince another person to do something, the first factor you probably consider is how likely they are to agree. Such thinking can discourage you from attempting to influence them at all. And that would be a mistake because research shows your sphere of influence may be much larger than you imagine. No matter whom you're trying to convince, you're probably more persuasive than you believe. For example, we generally feel more comfortable asking a friend rather than a stranger to, say, sponsor us in a charitable fundraising effort or help us with a task. But recent research by two colleagues and me found that while we tend to think our friends will be more amenable to our requests, strangers are almost equally willing to pitch in. We asked participants to approach both strangers and people they knew well with a simple request for a favor to complete a brief survey. Before making their requests, we asked participants how many people they thought they would need to ask before three complied. 
Participants who had been instructed to approach friends thought they would need to ask on average of 3.9 before three agreed. And those who had been asked to approach strangers thought on average that they would need to ask 9.4. It turned out the task was easier than either group expected. Participants had to ask on average only 3.8 strangers or 3.1 friends to get three to consent. Not only did participants greatly underestimate their ability to get strangers to agree to the requests, but surprisingly, strangers were almost as likely as friends to say yes. A growing body of research has found that not only do we have a much bigger social network than we think, and are more central to those networks than we realize, but we also have more influence over more types of people. This all suggests that when you have something to ask or say, people may very well be willing to listen to you. Again, persuasion. We assume we don't have much influence over others, even those closest to us, but studies show we're more powerful than we think by Vanessa Bonds, PhD, Psychology Today, April 2022. So kind of getting back <laughs> to my request, you participate in a survey. Uh, yes, we're incredibly, probably jaded might be a good word, uh, at the very minimum biased when we get such solicitations from complete strangers, particularly if they're involving some sort of a phone call, text message, uh, stop us on the street in the grocery store, used to be the mall, uh, have a clipboard in hand, and really can tell that they're really not interested, actually not interested in our response. They're just wanting to get through that to get to the point where they can tell us whatever it is about whatever they want to either persuade us to or to sell us upon. And as much as, again, that may be uh, <laughs> an effective sales technique, because this article even seems to suggest that situation probably works more than it should. The idea, though, that someone, anyone, <laughs> even if they have something already in mind, an end in mind, uh, to which they're taking the conversation, uh, to give us a chance to say what we think and feel, uh, what we believe, get our input, uh, seems to be even so valuable that we would endure the possibility of some angle being run on us or some otherwise, at that point, kind of not yet fully disclosed intention <laughs> of selling us on something uh, in mind has, has come to our awareness or at least been stated so obviously. So what is that? Well, I think it's simply the fact that we are social creatures. And as much as, again, it may be about what we're trying to tell others, and certainly there's a lot to be said for passion and belief and conviction, and uh, certainly there are situations that dictate or at least allow us in some measurable way with an intention in mind to persuade others, uh, even in the most basic of social interactions, it's more about that, social interaction. It's more about our social nature and then the exchange that provides and hopefully the discovery that maybe we're not all going to believe the same thing, but that there may be a worthwhile uh, negotiation 
uh, opportunity for negotiation where there can be mutual gratification. We each can get something out of it uh, available that we're willing to try that. And some people do it just because <laughs> they like talking to people and uh, learning and experiencing maybe new things and or, or maybe just old things, but with new angles and twists. And, and again, it's all kind of part of that basic pro-social natures all humans tend to, or nature all humans tend to possess. But even as the article spoke of friends versus strangers, friends and family are constantly asking us <laughs> seemingly innocuous questions, or if they're even so kind of directed toward, well, what do you think about? And with that, you've come to realize that there's always something else going on in their mind. They've just not gotten to the point where they felt they have the right opportunity to present it or have set up the context in which they desire uh, the, to be able to say it the way they want to say it. Uh, it's coming, but it's not there yet. We're still willing to engage. Again, it seems like even within the family, reciprocity goes far. If you do something for me, I'll do something for you. And with that, that makes everybody's life better. Uh, be, be, besides the fact that I may not be able to do it myself, or they may not be able to do it for themselves, there's relationship. And particularly within a family, that's important, even to the extent you may be willing to do things or engage in things in that reciprocal sort of way that you really don't like at all. But you know at some point in the future, you may have to ask or found, find yourself in a position where you can't do it yourself and would need to ask them to help you. And so the exchange, even forethought, such that we would think about something coming up like that in the future, we'll be willing to go ahead and do that if only it leaves us an opportunity. If we need them, that they will be there and certainly hoping <laughs> they will remember what we've done for them, they'll be willing to... I don't know if it's pay it back, but assist us in the same manner. So friends should be, but again, friends kind of suggest familiarity. And I guess relationships always are in the risk of becoming a bit one-sided. Uh, maybe one's a bit more selfish than the other. Maybe there's just certain things that you've done over and over and you just said, well, I'm not going to do them anymore. Even within a family or such within the family, maybe it's even more pronounced or obvious or out there in that sort of clear way because you've had to do it so often. You find yourself repeatedly in those circumstances. Uh, on the other hand, strangers, we don't know. So friends, we think... Okay, well, they're friends. And maybe for the sake of reciprocity, when you ask that question, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> well, what do you want me to do this weekend? Uh, you'll still do it because they're friends or they're family. Uh, but with strangers, they may ask that question and you may not see it in quite that way. And hopefully you're not going to be so biased by people just trying to manipulate, sell you on something. Uh, manipulate you to get you to do something, trick you into doing something that they want you to do. Strangers, though, might even seem to suggest, a more, in a more innocent sort of way, an even better opportunity. Because at that point, you really don't know 
what they want or don't want, and maybe they really are interested in what you have to say. And though that speaks a bit then to all of us being somewhat narcissistic, all of us do indeed have a story to tell, and and you know maybe that's it too. By that point, our family has gotten tired of the stories, and so this is a new audience, and we can share our opinions on that as well. And though that may seem a bit narcissistic, I think, again, it kind of falls in that same category of innocence. We just want to share ourselves with others. It's social. We're social creatures. It's a pro-social behavior. And if it's, in the minimum, benign and doesn't harm anyone, that's probably acceptable. And maybe, who knows? Friends, family might might see it differently on any given day, and strangers, they don't know you so well. So maybe it could turn out to be even better than the familiar. Maybe it could turn out to be something that you didn't expect it, and maybe there's some great sort of possibility of fantastic outcome uh, that you might discover. Seemingly lucky, but nonetheless, you have some input into it. Maybe you can really help them find the address they're looking for. And maybe they are really lost. So, this notion that we could be in a position of influencing or persuasion, I think, goes with the social dynamic. But to understand the social dynamic a bit better might really help us in the sense of appreciating not only what folks want from us, but why we're vulnerable or why we're open to, willing to even engage in those behaviors and take the risk that maybe we'll end up being persuaded. I mean, there's possibly worse scenarios even than that because, again, maybe they may have some truth that we're just not aware of yet, some experience that we've just not had. I want to take a moment, remind our listeners, you're listening to Word with Michael David Clay. So, persuasion, it is a social skill, maybe it's just a a need. (laughs) It's uh, intention, I'm sure, towards some good end, we call that adaptive. If uh, social dimension has been, or the ability to social, be social, or connect with others has been part of why we've been so successful as human beings, in such a, at times, inhospitable environment as is real life or real existence. Uh, It may be why we're even able to have maybe the level of self-actualization, contentment, satisfaction, fun, enjoyment of life, uh, joy in life that we do have. We've mitigated through our relationships with others, so much so the risks that the threats are there, but they're not as prominent, prevalent, and with that, the network of friends, the connections we have with others, the relationship building that we've done, the skill set we've sort of developed or acquired at building relationships, it's all functional. It's all good. Not only functional, it helps. It works, but it helps. It's adaptive. It's good. Now, that's a pretty powerful, when you think of it that way, that's a pretty powerful motive to continue. And with that, that idea of adding more and more to it, is there a chance that that runs exposing you, or at least runs an opportunity or 
Again, a, a chance at exposing you to some harm? Sure. Uh, if you can see them coming, if you can see their clipboard, if you recognize the script, the narrative, if you can look in their eyes and understand they're really not interested in what you have to say, they're just interested in you saying it or manipulating your desire to share yourself in that way with them so they can get to the end of doing what they want to do, which is to tell you what they want to tell you, sell you on whatever it is they want to sell you on. Maybe you don't go down that road. But is it worth, if you kind of look at that in terms of odds, chances for success, expanding that network, feeding even more into this general sort of um, pattern of, of uh, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, valuation? It gets more and more valuable the larger your social network. Even with the chance that somebody might take advantage of you, you're willing to try it. And I guess because most of us have learned, or as with, again, the social dimension, the social nature humans possess, we've come to appreciate that that is implicit in us, and that may be the key to our greatest success, or the greatest key to our, our ultimate success, is that not only do we find the ability to actualize ourselves, <laughs> Self-actualization, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy. Uh, we take care of all the basic needs, but we can then give others a chance to do that and still take care of all the basic needs. Numbers, relationships, and that just speaks to reciprocity. Even when it comes to those highest order of relationships, where we're doing it simply out of generosity. It's much easier to be generous and gracious and merciful and helpful and giving and even so forgiving when you're not in need, when your basic needs have been met. Now you could argue, well, that's counterintuitive. Because then everybody's going to be selfish, wanting to take care of their basic needs. Then they will get to a place where maybe, just maybe if that happens, they won't be so selfish. They'll be able to understand, oh, well, there's virtue in helping each other. There's virtue in sharing ourselves, our knowledge base, our experiences, our opinions with others. As well as listening to others' opinions, because who knows? We may never have thought of it that way. We may never have gone through that particular. We may never have seen it that way, and this may represent something that we want to keep in the back of our mind. Should we arrive there? Maybe it opens up our eyes to some other situation, maybe not identical, but somewhat similar. Maybe it just helps us to appreciate one another and then know who is good at what so that when we need, we can go to them. But if they're doing the same thing, then everybody wins. And maybe if everybody wins enough, then we don't have to necessarily worry about the selfish dimension because we've got more than enough to give away. I think to some extent that has kind that does kind of capture has been what's happened in our culture. Uh, we've been able to in the United States be able to have such abundance that we're able to then, out of generosity and intention to give, share with others. Uh, it does seem like the more people, the more difficult that may, there's, there's kind of like a, a moment of, uh, uh, how do we call it in the business, reverse tolerance. You get to a certain level of saturation, uh, 
uh, apex, epitome, and then for some reason things start to go the opposite direction. Maybe people are just so used to having so much that anything they give away seems like it's going to be less. Maybe there's a bit of those individuals who have taken advantage much like the telemarketers, you know, the, the folks that are mining for data information. There's always been an angle and they just learned how to do that. And in some ways there's probably individuals who didn't in a unique individual sort of way get that growing up and so there was a bias and prejudice. But I think culturally overall we've been blessed, fortunate to have enough, maybe more than, that we're still a pretty generous group of people. But it does seem like of late we've come to realize that something isn't working about that and with that then maybe we just need to remind ourselves much like the podcast's intention to do today, or much like this uh, article on persuasion, that if we're true to our really base nature, you might be able to move somewhat off of that mark, maybe get to a point of some selfishness, but there's going to be a natural correction that's involved. Because when you start to withhold, when you start to deny, when you start to become somewhat self-justifying, when you start to sort of allow that hedonism to predominate when you forget that hedonism is actually a step backward from reciprocity, not a step forward toward more unconditional sort of generous acts of giving. Um, maybe the natural then order of things is to point out, remind us, uh, that's not how the world works. And if you want to sustain this, either the self-gratification, self-actualization in that individual way, or with that, the formation of a culture, an environment, where we're, we recognize the importance of relationships and being friendly and everyone having some input and we grow and we gain from that. Yes, there may be some disagreements at times, but persuasion isn't toward an individual singular pursuit or if it is, it should never be toward selfishness. Again, telemarketers with just one idea in mind selling you on a particular product for personal gain. But if it's genuinely done to enhance or to better not only the self as in sharing something, but each other as in the social dimension of our human existence and the overall incredible benefit that that's given us against a world that does seem to take maybe even more so at times than it gives, natural world, natural environment, then maybe that's a good reminder. Maybe that's a good adjustment. Maybe it is this idea that somehow we get blinded by our own selfish ambitions <laughs> and then we really do genuinely become narcissists. But whether it's family, friends, whether it's strangers, it's not necessarily the persuasion that we're after. It's the social dimension that that represents. Persuasion is a skill set, but it should not be turned to selfish ambitions alone. It has to be for the betterment of everyone. And most of us at some point or another will learn to recognize and read that when it comes, when we first encounter it. 
Somebody comes up to you and says, uh, what time is it? <laughs> you say it's five o'clock, and then they say, well, do you have a dime, a quarter? That's too low. Do you have a dollar? Uh, I need it for a cup of coffee. Well, yeah, they ask for the time, but they really weren't interested in the time. They were really interested in the dollar, the dime, <laughs> cup of coffee, maybe. Something else, if they just are straight up, maybe that would make it even easier to be generous or, or to kind of give in that way. But you still may override that and say, well, anybody that asks me in that way and maybe, you know, in a profiling sort of way uh, does that in the kind of circumstance they did, they did that in, looks the way they look, you know, you can tell somebody who's down on their luck, I'm going to go ahead and give. Why? Because I have. Because I've been given to. Because I've understood the social dynamic. But at the same time, though, if you know that they're just about exploiting, they really, not only do they not need a dime or a cup of coffee or whatever it is, a meal, some clothes, place to sleep, maybe they're just after hoarding. <laughs> maybe they're in some pathological way so much into hedonism and selfishness that they've lost all their appreciation for the need to give back. Maybe you don't want to participate. Maybe that's when you can be persuasive. You can listen to their argument and say, well, you know, that sounds pretty selfish. It sounds like all you're after is my money or all you're after is me to do this for you. Uh, maybe it's an opportunity to kind of teach. Maybe you could say it. Maybe you're willing to do some of that in the hope that you could teach by example. But to realize that that is important, that the pro-social nature, the idea of wanting to persuade others... It can be turned to good or bad intentions. Keeping it good is, though, with conscious intention. Overriding that sort of selfish, give me, uh, indulge me, uh, make me feel good sort of bottom base of, uh, <laughs> again, hedonism, is not. And we do have some responsibility, I think, to do that in the right way. Now again, I think the article captures the fact that we're still a country, a people, who would be able to help others or desirous to help others in that way, especially those who might we might stereotype or look at on the surface, stereotype, look on the surface and say, well, you know, maybe you really do need. And then again, maybe most of us are willing to take that risk because there may obviously be an opportunity for something to come back to us. But maybe we're also at a point in our life where we've learned out of our abundance, it's okay to be generous in giving. And it'll take a while to get to that point where we're used so much we don't have any more. But that's the natural correction. If it does get there, it won't take long before nobody will want to take the survey. Nobody will want to ask the question. Nobody will maybe want to make the eye contact. Maybe they'll want to cross the street before they see you on the other side or they see somebody on the other side of the street they don't want to talk to. They'll, or on that same side of the street, they'll want to cross the street to the other side so they don't have to have that communication. But until that time comes, then I just want to encourage you, remind you, it's in you to be generous. We've been fortunate enough to have received. We can be in that position of giving away, but we also have to recognize, not necessarily that we need to regulate it, but that we need to keep reminding folks the highest order 
of self-actualization would be this willingness to share with others. Maybe it's your perspective. Maybe it's material resources. Maybe when you put the two together, you help each other overcome things that either of you singularly couldn't overcome or couldn't do singularly alone. Maybe it would be to the betterment overall of the entirety of not only our country, but the world. But that's a completely different perspective than a, I need it, I'm going to take it, and with that, some institutionalization of that. Even if it's in the name of justice, or even if it's for the sake of trying to, to correct something that otherwise has been either actual or misperceived to be with intention to exploit. The way to correct that, though, is certainly to stop it, but you also have to present the better. And in that sense, generosity does come back around. So, persuasion. Vanessa Bonds, PhD, Psychology Today, April 2022. We assume we don't have much influence over others, even those closest to us, but studies show we're more powerful than we think. Certainly we are. It's in us all to share ourselves with other people. Just make sure that in your sharing, it is not so entirely selfish. And with that then, <laughs> that the other person legitimately is interested in what you have to say. And should they not be, that you're fully aware of what you're engaging in. And you have already, a, I guess, an intention in mind to try to turn this to something much more positive. There's nothing wrong with that. We need people who can take that poor motive, help others to discover a way to get and receive, a better way to get and receive what they need so that they too can be able to give or contribute in the same manner or dimension. Again, I want to remind you, you're listening to Word with Michael David Clay. I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast, and I want to invite you back to my next or our next podcast. And until then, again, good health and good mental health.